Hello and welcome back to the journalism.co.uk podcast. My name is Freya McCoy and I'm taking over from Jacob for the podcast this week. Each week we bring you the most interesting conversations from around the media industry and today we'll be talking about the art of interviewing. My guest is Paul Connolly, an investigative broadcast journalist, TV and radio presenter with more than 15 years experience. Paul knows a thing or two about interviewing and uses his expertise in his work as a media trainer. In the year when the majority of journalists have been conducting their interviews online, it's never been more important to nail your technique. Throughout his varied career, Paul has interviewed all kinds of people, from prisoners to politicians. We discussed what makes for a great interview and how you can prepare to take on daunting interviewees, as well as much more. But first, this. As well as great editorial content, journalism.co.uk provides media training for journalists, editors and other media professionals. If you want even more interviewing guidance, our guest for today, Paul Connolly, is running a two-day online advanced interviewing course with us on the 8th of February 2021. For this course and all the other great courses we run, head over to journalism.co.uk forward slash courses. Paul, thank you for joining me today. Welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. What's the working situation like for you at the moment? Well, at the moment, the working situation is varied. It is nebulous. It is complicated. Um, but thankfully, there is work. It's a very difficult time to be working as a journalist, especially as a freelance journalist. But thankfully, over the years, I've built up relationships that have allowed me now to work with ITV, BBC, and then obviously enough, I do quite a lot of training as well. So things are okay. Good, I'm glad to hear it. So Paul, today we're going to be talking about all things interviewing, and I wanted to start by asking you about preparation. I've been told that the key to a really strong interview is preparation. How do you prepare for an interview? Sure. So there are sort of a couple of key things that I always suggest when it comes to preparation and they might sound really really obvious but i have been a journalist now for more than 15 years and the amount of times i still see people doing it on the daily news on very reputable talk shows in magazine interviews and they're really simple things one especially if you're in a situation like this for if you're in a radio interview um, or if you're in an audio interview always know the person's full name know how to pronounce it correctly correctly, correctly, and also another full title. And the reason why I say that is there is nothing that will knock you off balance more, especially if you're not very experienced, than the very first thing an interviewee says to you is, well, actually, that's not correct. My actual title is such and such. So get the basics right and just put the time in to get the basics right, and it will pay dividends. What I like to do as well is just have a really intricate, almost forensic background knowledge of the people that I'm interviewing. The reason is you'll always get the obvious stuff out of people, but to provoke some kind of surprise or an element of emotion or anger, that's what really elevates any particular interview. We can all go through the motions and you hear it all the time in radio and in television. A set five questions handed by the producer, you go to the motions and you ask them. That to me is not a great interview. A great interview is elevation and finding out what are the pressure points, what are the little things you can do to invoke 
something different, something surprising, something new from someone. And when I do this type of training, that's always what I try to get across. It's hard to do though. I mean, I do a lot of interviews myself. I don't always get it right because mm. the person can be very difficult to get that from. But if the basics and the knowledge are there, then you at least have a good shot, you know. So it sounds like you have to be a bit of an investigator when you're preparing for your interview. A little bit. And it's a good idea too. I mean, depending on what type of interview it is. So if this is a short form news interview, it's three questions over three minutes, Freya. It's not that essential. You ask them what people need to know and that sort of what they need to know structure generally is what has happened, why has it happened, and what will happen in the future. So it's basically those three things. If it's a longer form interview, if it's a profile on someone, if it's a sort of investigative, almost interrogative interview with a politician, well then, then basically what you need is a better body of knowledge and evidence in some cases than they could ever suspect that you have. Because most of the time, especially people that don't want to be absolutely transparent, will have any, any number of media training tricks they will deploy to stifle an interview. Uh, one that's used so commonly, and you'll know it yourself, it's called bridging. So if I was to ask Boris Johnson today, Boris, tell me exactly what the hiccups in the vaccine rollout are. He would start by saying, well, we vaccinated you know, over 3 million, I don't know if that's the number, but over 3 million people so far in a particular region. But what you really need to know, and the, but what you really need to know is a bridge into what they want to talk about. Right. So my point is that you, you're very right. It is an investigation to a degree because you need to know how to sidestep them when they try to sidestep you. Got you. Looking at your career, and you've been a journalist for 15 years, You've interviewed some pretty dangerous people from criminals to prisoners and I'm not suggesting that all our listeners are about to go out and do the same but I was wondering if you had any advice for people that find themselves in interviews that are perhaps a bit scary or what to do if an interview turns hostile. How do you hold your nerve in that situation? Sure, that's, that's, a really good, that's a really good question. So I suppose that can happen in two different types of circumstances so I'll briefly run through those. Mm. If in an interview with a politician, for instance, because that does fall sometimes under the category of hostile interviewing, because yeah. you will want to extract information that they will not want you to extract. It's as simple as that. And very often the best form of defense is attack. And if they are media trained enough, that's what they'll do. And if they're savvy enough, they'll also know your weak points and they will go for them. And don't think that doesn't happen. It wow, really, yeah. really does. They may even bring up your past failings or past interviews, etc. In a situation like that, it comes down to the basics. It comes down to preparation. It comes down to confidence. You have to be confident in your own ability to handle the situation. You cannot let them knock you off balance. So the best thing in a situation you can do like that is don't be drawn in. Don't ever offer personal opinion. Don't start by saying, well, I think you've lost. The conversation and the interview is over. You always couch those comments in. There are people that believe, members of the public have said, it has been quoted in the past. You are just a catalyst. You are not there as you. You're there as an interviewer on behalf of the people or the viewers or, or the listeners. So don't rise, be professional, maintain your confidence always be calm and never ever ever make it a duel between two people Got you. that's what they'll try to draw you into but 
you will in your first couple of interviews that happens you will be knocked off balance it's almost impossible not to be you've got to sort of be knocked down four or five times before mm. the little voice in your head switches on and goes oh, i know what you're doing in more dangerous really dangerous situations for instance i've been in i made a series for channel five and netflix called inside the world's toughest prisons which basically was me going into prisons around the world in the philippines in honduras we were in mexico and we were in poland as well high security prisons very very dangerous inmates i was living as an inmate to really try and wow. live these yeah. experiences and it was a, it was remarkable for me but that was a really tricky balance for me because I was there as a journalist yeah. I was there as a really curious person mm. I was there as an investigative journalist so I wanted to extract information from these people and find out what their motivations for committing the crimes they committed were but the novelty factor for them didn't last that long mm. so at first I was this, this guy walking into the cell there was a tv camera behind me or outside depending on the night and that was a bit of fun for them at first. They liked it. But then when I started to ask deep and pressing questions, yeah. sometimes they would either lose their temper or they would take offense. And in a situation like that, you employ similar tactics. You remain confident, calm. You never make it personal. Don't apologize too much in a situation like that because it, you can't show too much weakness. If you do, then that actually does somehow accelerate and provoke the situation and the anger and what you do withdraw what i always did was look this clearly isn't a great time we can we can pick this up and then i would start talking about something completely different from the dangerous to the world of zoom a lot of interviewing nowadays is taking place online we're chatting today over zoom what are your tips for a successful remote interview and can a remote interview ever compare to an in-person interview and do you miss doing in-person interviews? Do I miss doing in-person interviews? Yes, if it is an interview where some, yeah, I do actually, in all circumstances really, because the fact is a Zoom interview can only at its absolute optimal point, at its maximum, be 95% as good as an in-person interview. You right. simply cannot have that chemistry, you can't have that connection, you can't have that rapport over Zoom. But there are little things you can do to get to that 95% most of it is actually in what doesn't make the program or make the broadcast. Most of it is in the preamble, the start of the call, the casual conversation you have, the putting at ease of the guest. Mm -hmm. So, you know, very much what, what, what you did with me today. You know, you came on, you smiled, you said hello. We had a little bit of a chat. You asked me, was I ready? You asked me to have some water. You asked me, was I comfortable? You told me what we were going to be talking about. Because you always have to remember, it is easier to be an interviewer than it is to be an interviewee. Yeah. And I think a lot of people forget that because we come into an interview knowing exactly almost what we're going to say. Now we deviate from that if we're good. We listen mm. and we react, but not everyone does that. So we can just read from a page. Some of us being interviewed can't. So you, you have to empathize yeah. with how difficult that situation is yeah. and do everything you can to enable them to perform as well as they possibly can. Mm. And that applies to everyone. That applies to dangerous criminals. That applies to politicians, that applies to a situation like this, to an emotional interview, a victim of something. A tip that I will give people that they might not believe is if you're about to go into a hostile interview, all right, and it is with 
politician or if it's with a public figure that's made a horrible, terribly offensive and indefensible comment and you are going to tackle them on that, don't make it personal. Mm. Talk to them like you would talk to anyone before and after the interview. And there doesn't actually even need to be a switch. People think that you need to appear as this rock hard and tough journalist. You actually don't. All you need to do is be prepared, ask the right questions at the right time, listen to what they're saying, react if something good comes up so that you can take the story in a different direction and just go about your own job professionally. You don't need to assume a character or a persona. I hadn't thought about that dynamic, that power dynamic between interviewer and interviewee before. And I suppose if you have done your research properly, the guest stands to be far more vulnerable than you are because you know so much more about them than they know about you. Generally, in any interview, you should go in with the upper hand. You're absolutely right, because knowledge is very much power in a situation like that. So if you're a very good interviewer, not only will you have well-prepared questions, you'll then also have the ability to listen to things that they say, because very often the best parts of interviews are the innocuous middle sentence in a paragraph that nobody really listens to that takes you in this remarkable direction that creates an entirely new new story but then you also have a lot of time to prepare so you're right you always have the upper hand and i think in any situation however you personally feel about a person especially before and afterwards but in my opinion during as well you don't need to make them feel uncomfortable or unwelcome you know that's just my first. That's how I go about it. And it works okay. You know? no, I think that is a good, a good ethos. I wanted to ask what your favorite interview moment from your own career has been. If you have a particular highlight, a favorite interview in your own memory, something that really stood out. Oh, lovely, lovely question. God, do I have one? All right. So there's been loads, really. You know, so often really surprising and amazing things crop up in an interview. But probably my favorite was from the series Inside the World's Toughest Prisons. Mm. And it was when I was in a Polish prison and I was talking to a chap who was in there for life for murder. His name from memory, and I hope I have this correct, was Marek. And Marek had been a gangland boss who had murdered a rival with barbed wire and he had strangled him with barbed Mm. wire. So I'm sitting in a cell with Marek and there is a cameraman, just me and the cameraman, and we're, we're having a chat. And I, you know, everyone's fascinated in these types of things, aren't they? Where does that kill switch come from? How can you make a decision to end someone else's life? I think in only the most extreme circumstances, someone like me or you would have that ability. So how then do you elect to kill someone? Not instinctively kill someone, but instead elect to kill someone. And I was getting this this out of him and he was telling me, well, his rationale was, well, he was going to kill me. It was kill or be killed, as if stupid question almost is what he was getting at. But then as we talked more, I realized that he didn't actually see himself as a killer. He didn't even really see himself as a criminal, certainly didn't see himself as a bad person. And that fascinated me because... It was a thread that ran through all of the interviews that I had across all of the prisons in all of the places in the world that I visited. 
And what I realized was that whilst you and I probably, if we're honest, if someone has been in prison for murder, to us, they are pigeonholed. Yeah. They are a murderer. To them, that was a flashpoint. It was a singular point at which they acted out of character. So they believe that they're kind, empathetic, intelligent people, just like we are. You know, you get those moments so rarely. Real light bulb moment. It, it amazed me. And from that moment, because I was the first person I went to, I sort of unpicked and unraveled that strand of thinking. And sure enough, it existed in every single place in the world. Drug traffickers, human traffickers in Mexico looking at me going, well, I'm not a bad person. I did a bad thing. It didn't make me a bad, bad person. And, and to be honest, I think there's something in that. I don't think people are defined by one particular act within their lives. It, it just seems, from what I've learned, that people can control those instincts to varying degrees. So can mm. we all say that these people are murderers and simply mm. murderers or human traffickers and simply human traffickers? In my opinion, they're more than that. Yeah. They're more complex than that. Yeah, more complex. Exactly. That was so that, fascinating. Yeah. I wanted to ask what mm. advice you might be able to give to young or new journalists who are completely new to interviewing. I know we've talked about preparation and, and getting names wrong, but are there any, any other rookie errors that you should really avoid? Any advice to people just starting out who might find interviewing really intimidating? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. If you're sitting down to do your first interview and you're a third year college student or you've just started a, you know, an internship in BBC or ITV or somewhere wonderful and you're doing your first interview, what you should always try to remember is most of the time, they don't know it's your first interview. So you don't need to put that across. Okay. You know, you can, in that circumstance, kind of fake it until you make it. And then there are weight bearing preparations, I suppose, that you can put in place so that you won't collapse during the interview. Because what are the things that you think of in a situation like that? Oh my God, what if I completely forget the question? You will, by the way, that happens. Yeah. And when it does happen, it's uncomfortable, but there are ways of getting around it. Oh my God, what happens if they say something and I can't think of a response? That will happen, it absolutely will, but there are ways of, of getting around it. So basically all you need to do is do your preparation, work out your questions beforehand. If you need to bring a page or a laptop or a tablet, don't worry, don't listen to anything anyone says. Bring it, read off it if you need to. It's absolutely fine. For the first couple of interviews, first five or six, maybe even 10, until you're comfortable, do what makes you comfortable. Don't listen to how everyone else thinks it should be done. When you forget something, when you make a mistake, when you say the wrong thing, and I say when, because it's not an if, it's a when. It's a when immediately forgive yourself that's something i i mean i i do uh, advanced interview coaching for anchors tv anchors radio anchors and the big thing that an anchor will tell you very experienced ones when they make a mistake that mistake unless they've spoken to people like me defines the rest of the program for them they forget the two hours and 59 minutes of terrific broadcasting and yeah. they remember one minute of when they made a mistake you know they were tired they got bad information it's fine. Mm. No matter what level you're at, especially if you're beginning, forgive yourself the mistakes. What I would suggest is in a moment where you make a mistake, pause. Because mm. what tends to happen is you chase the mistake. Yeah. You start to go, well, actually, that's not what I meant. What I mean to say is, uh, hang on a second, I'll just look for it here. Just pause. 
just pause, give yourself a little bit of a breath, gather yourself. You can qualify it. You can say something to the effect of, just give me one moment while I clarify that. Take it easy. And that sounds like you're taking control of the situation. Yeah. Exactly right. Because the interviewer should always be in control. They shouldn't know it, but you should always be in control. So if you make a mistake, forgive yourself instantly. Don't worry about it yeah. and go on. If you say something offensive, apologize. But just remember it's okay. And then the other thing is slightly more advanced, but it's really, really important. And this is when you'll be starting to be a good interviewer. And I mentioned it earlier, is this listen and react thing. So most people, when they start out, they'll have a list of questions. They will rigidly go through them. Mm. And there's no problem with that. It happens everywhere and it's expected. But a really good interviewer will have a list of questions that they can refer to. They won't write out exactly what the question is. My advice is always know what you want to say, not exactly how you want to say it. Right. Because then it rolls off your tongue in a way that is more organic more natural and more authentic. I just write bullet points and then I formulate the question based on what my thoughts are on that particular day. I make it brief and I always make sure that there's a question on the end, never make a statement, always have it as a question. Um, but yeah, that's generally, that's generally how I do it. And, and then within the interview, I will listen like a hawk mm. because they will always say, well, no one ever listened about the time when you know, I, I crashed my car and fell down a cliff into the sea and then they'll move on to something else. And a good interviewer will go, well, what do you mean? What happened? And then all of a sudden you're unwrapping something else. So interviewing isn't just about writing good questions. It sounds like it's, it's, a, it's a complex art form and it requires sort of maybe years of experience to get really good at. Well, yes, but... You can get really good in a short space of time. Good, you just then, by small degrees and increments, no. get better. You know, and you aren't always brilliant. I have terrible days where I just completely stuff things up. Um, but everyone has those days, and that's fine. Generally, I would be a decent interviewer because I love the art of it. I love mm. the skill of it. And if you unpick it, if you pull at the threads of interviewing, you watch brilliant interviewers and brilliant interviewers or brilliant interviews and brilliant interviewers, you'll see that there really is a, a craft. Mm. What you'll also see is that you can sometimes forget who the interviewer is. A really brilliant at the top of their game interviewer is almost anonymous. They speak in very brief, very brief, very succinct sentences and stay very much in the shadows of an interview yeah because for instance someone like um oh, i'm delighted to say that i've forgotten his name pierce morgan for instance yes. right so this is this is a different interview style there's a lot to be admired about pierce morgan he is terrifically successful he does very very well for himself do i think personally that i would encourage people to use his interviewing style i wouldn't because the interview becomes about Pierce and not the interviewee. Whereas in my opinion, brilliant interviews are crafted by people who are willing to sit back, be in control, but let the interviewer talk and talk and talk and talk and talk to the point at which they don't know that they're revealing things mm -hmm. that they never would have thought would come out. So yeah, that's probably a long-winded way of saying that, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's fascinating. Paul, thank you for such an insightful and 
open conversation. I mean, as a journalism student myself, this is beyond interesting. And, oh, and delighted, delighted. But before you go, I just have one last question. And that's what's the best way to wrap up an interview? Oh, good, lovely question. <laughs> You've put some thought into that. I, li- I, li- <laughs> I like that. So in an interview like this, wrap it up however you like. You just say, many thanks. Thanks a million for your, for your time. Um, if there's something that they want to plug, let them plug it. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, you know, you'd have to make sure that you've cleared it with the producers or whatever, that the products and branding and stuff like that, but that's fine. Um, but actually an interesting thing is, so I worked on um, current affairs radio for many years and I worked on phone-in shows, which I would always encourage people, journalists, mm. if there is a path in your journalism career, I would always encourage people to work in radio first. Now, that might seem strange to people, but in radio, rather than print and rather than in television, you have less time to get things across. You have to distill very dense and complicated information into very simple, brief and succinct sentences. And as any journalist, any experience will tell you, less is more in every circumstance. If you feel you've sounded clever, but the viewer or the listener doesn't know what you're talking about or the reader, well, then you have failed. And the best place to learn that skill, in my opinion, is, is, in, is in radio. Mm. And when I was working in radio, and I cut my teeth very much in radio, and I learned a lot of my interviewing craft on a live phone-in show, um, where I learned not to say to people as I was saying goodbye to them, take care now, all the best, look mm. after yourself, see you soon. A million different ways of saying goodbye. If you listen to the Today program on BBC Radio 4, really well-respected news programs, the world at one, that is whipped past. Mm. What they do is they say, they say the name, they say the title, many thanks. They don't say, mm, they don't say, ah, they don't say well or so, they move on to the next topic. Yeah. That is a brilliant, experienced way of doing interviews. So in a situation like this, say what you like, it doesn't really matter. In a situation like that, yeah. brief, succinct, and seamlessness is the, uh, is the point. Well, I'll try to keep it brief now. Paul, thanks again for your time. Thank you. I so enjoyed that conversation with Paul about the ins and outs of interviewing. As a journalism student myself, I thought that was invaluable and I feel far better equipped for my next interview. My main takeaway from today will be Paul's advice to take a breath and carry on when you make a mistake in an interview. And I love the idea that a good interviewer is someone who says very little at all and lets their guest do most of the speaking. If you liked what you heard today, you can check out more of our episodes by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to feature on the show, do drop our regular host an email on jacob at journalism.co.uk. That's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Freya McCoy. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time. Music.